hot dog's dead. My pizza's dead. My cupcake is dead. Oh, uh, my donut's dead. My burger's dead. My milkshake is dead. All of our favorite foods are totally dead. They cannot procreate in little food beds. We'll eat them up and turn them into stuff. And we'll cry over their graves, but you can't cry enough. When, When you, you miss, miss someone, someone you love, you, you can't, can't cry, cry enough. enough. Capitol Hill, Seattle, Washington, on my couch. This is episode number 80 of Grow How Long Stick, Mister. I'm still laid up currently with a broken ankle, so we're not recording from Studio 212. Uh, Keith, super producer, is not here recording us today. It's just me and my co-host, Johnny Toonami, uh, coming to you live from my couch. Uh, we are still a part of the Soundcasting Network. But, uh, yeah, I don't really have an update because uh, I'm still laid up. I did go fishing in Montana with my girlfriend, and Hannah, and her family. Uh, had a lot of good time. Went fishing on the Missouri River. Uh, if you guys need a place to stay while you guys are fishing in Montana, I would recommend the Missouri River Ranch. Uh, Chip and Kim or Chip and Sue, I'm sorry, are the owners of that place. And Chef Leopold makes really, really good meals. But uh, yeah, Johnny, how you doing at June Baby? What's going on? What's it like? It's been it's been pretty crazy to to get the feedback and to see all the love. Um, you know, I had a friend that worked in that was a Gulf oil guy. He worked on a rig oil rig in the Gulf and was like, "Your fried chicken, we only do it one day a week." But he was like, "Your fried chicken's better than the fried chicken down in Louisiana." Like all this stuff, I was like, "Wow!" So um, it's been really positive, and I feel like we're changing the name for Southern food in Seattle, especially doing it up here in the Northwest. I mean, that's what I've read. Uh, that's what I've read nationally. And some of the national magazines, not the, the local stuff here is that it's Southern food and approach to Southern food. Uh, like nobody else has ever done. Mm -hmm. um, it's not your classic stuff. It's uh, modern, uh, but it's still authentic Southern food. He yeah. doesn't stray away from the, classic Southern technique uh, and ingredients. He just puts a new twist on it. And uh, yeah, it's very creative. The menu is very creative. It is. It's tough though, because like when you make, when we make family meal, it's like yesterday we had, we had brisket tacos, but the day before we had pulled pork sandwiches and I was like, I'm fucking done. I'm done with pulled pork. Like we always have this shit. I know it's, it's, it's sad. And that's one thing that's really sad about working in the industry is you kind of get spoiled with really, really good food and you get tired of eating fancy yeah. or stuff that other people take for granted. Like I can't find any good barbecue, but if you work at a place that does barbecue, you're like, I'm sick of I'm eating sick of fucking barbecue. I remember working at a place and we ate foie gras almost every night for dinner. Yeah. You had to try that foie. Yeah. It's just like, I'm done. <laughs> but but it became, you became a foie expert though. Oh, for sure. That shit was off. 
Definitely. All right. So without further ado, uh, ado, uh, <laughs> getting fancy now. French. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're uh, Johnny's gonna run us down a quick list of uh, those restaurants on that list. Yeah. So um, I would say yeah. Two days ago, Bill Addison, he is Eater Nationals writer, came up with a list of the top twelve best new new restaurants hopefully we got some fans out there that uh listen to the show that work at some of these restaurants if uh, if cool. you do give us a shout out um so it was pretty cool uh just to be on the list because there seems to be some hot hitters um i don't travel that much so i haven't hit up any of these restaurants but they seem like they're cool um none so, of them are that close to us no they're not there are a lot of east coast midwest uh, we have a couple in um san francisco we have one in san francisco one, one in one knoxville in, tennessee yeah that's where i went to school at oh weird <laughs> yeah it's weird but uh first up is elsk or elske um which is in chicago uh by david and anna posies um they are doing a little Danish thing over there and Sorry. have a little like madman theme going on in their restaurant. <laughs> so a lot of misogyny. Yeah, basically a, <laughs> a lot of drinks and a lot of misogyny. A drunk, drunk businessmen who are misogynists. <laughs> so Danish. That's pretty cool. If you want to check them out, they're at 1350 West Randolph Street, Chicago. Um Check them out. They they look like they're doing good food. Uh, I mean, from what I can see, their restaurant looks fucking gorgeous. They got the nice little marble countertops. Ooh, and, sexy. You know, sexy, sexy. Um, next up in Los Angeles is Felix Trattoria. Um, they are doing some straight up pasta game over there. I, dude, I mean, maybe I'm spoiled, man, but Il Corvo. I, I mean, mean, I like El really, Corvo. El Corvo really just like hits me deep in my heart when it comes to pasta you know and when so. they were new they probably were on this list too oh they're all they're, they're, all they're always on list. the list yeah but um they have they have a really cool 1920s style building that they got that they renovated what well, do you know what neighborhood this is in los angeles um it is venice not nice yeah so they're at 1023 abbott kinney boulevard venice and should be should be dope if you like cheesy pastas, creamy pasta pastas, game. pasta game unlocked. They make it fresh in house. Um, they only serve it until it's gone too. So it's like Il Corvo style. Yeah, I get there early, <laughs> five o'clock. Nah, man. Like yeah, a lot. Of, I mean, I wonder what time they do open up because Il Corvo opens up at like ten in the morning. Yeah, I know for pasta. But they're sold out until like four. No, they yeah, don't. They don't sure. do dinner, which is sad. I went there once at like three, and they were almost out, and I was just like, I guess I'll get the popper down. Yeah, if you guys are listening to to this in your local one, Seattle, you have not been to Il Corvo. Uh, they used to be in the market, but they have uh, moved down to Pioneer Square. Mm -hmm. Fuck, I don't remember what street it's on. It's on a weird street. It's on a side street. It's next to a fucking hood ass barbershop. Yeah, like <laughs> but there's always a line it's worth uh, i don't wait in lines very often but el corvo is worth the wait in line um it's amazing if you haven't been there check it out for show sure. next up new york city has the grill i wish they could have come what, up with a what a name what a name yeah, i mean like it's all it's yeah. almost as good as the name of our podcast <laughs> um they are Shit, we're not trademarked no, we're not. We should. What if somebody tries to jack our name? Uh-oh. They are in Manhattan's iconic Four Seasons space. Uh, they attempted to restore its theatrical, continental, mid-century heyday upshot, um, and they pulled it off. Um, servers are in about $6,000 uniforms designed by Tom Ford. What the fuck? And uh, they have some, they have organ pipes in a Harry Potter flick trolley 
costing about $10,000. What the actual fuck? This is in downtown Manhattan in the bottom of the Four Seasons. Yeah. So basically they're a super, super upscale grill. Steakhouse. Yeah, steakhouse. They um they have become the sauce for a smoky tange of egg noodles. Um, they have steaks. They're doing a, just about everything. Is, does it say anything what a chef's owners are or anything like that? You know, um, it says Mario Carbone and Rich Torisi and Jeff Zalaznik. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Zalaznik. Chef Zalaznik. Yes. My G, my G. My G. I remember that guy. No. I, I mean, I would love to be able to afford to go there. Probably, uh, it probably won't happen unless you, you know, no. go with some baller deep pockets. Ba- baller sauce. <laughs> um, but you can find them on 99 East 52nd Street in New York, New York. Um, ooh, this one's cool because Washington, D.C. is coming up in the in the game. Yeah, I've read a really, a really good stuff about D.C.'s food scene. I'd re- I mean, we need to really reach out to some people outside of the city. Um, I know that my recording last week while I was on the phone didn't sound too good, but... Uh, we were, really weren't prepared for it, but we really need to start interviewing some people outside of the city. No, for sure. I mean, actually, the other day, my chef came in with uh, Kwame Unwachi. I don't know if anybody knows of him, but he is one of the top chef competitors um, from a couple seasons ago. He also owns an upscale Jamaican restaurant in Washington, D.C. Asian dude? Uh, black. Oh. Um, they were doing- Kwame. Yeah, Kwame. They were doing uh, No Kid Hungry um, with Josh Henderson at- uh, yeah, I read, I read about that. And uh, yeah, he's super nice guy, but it was it was interesting to be like, oh, this guy is like a big deal in D.C. and D.C.'s food scene is popping up. So um, Himitsu in Washington, D.C. by uh, Carly Steiner and Kevin Tian. Um, it's a 24 seat spot. They have Sushi Plus global plates. They kind of do a, it seems like just a little tasty tapas sort of thing. Um, Not bad. What, what style of food? Uh, it's Asian because they're, they're doing the sushi. Black dude doing Asian food? No, that's not him. I'm I'm talking about the. Oh, <laughs> I was confused because he's I a, know I kind of went on a tangent and then went back into <laughs> it. But it's um, Hamitsu in Washington D.C. Hamitsu by Carly Steiner and Kevin Tian. Um, and as I said before, it's a 24 seat restaurant and they're doing sushi, um, plus some global plates. Um. But it has a lot of charisma, they say. They're doing Korean fried chicken, um, insane braised pork shank marinated in soy and sesame. It sounds delicious. It sounds pretty good. Um, you can find them on 828 Upshire Street Northwest. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, next up is San Francisco. Frisco, Bay Area, um, shout out. In situ is what they are called. Um, Corey Lee. One of Bay Area's and the country's finest, most brilliant chefs, as they say. Um, he is located in the Museum of Modern Arts. It's a $610 million expansion. Jesus, man, it doesn't sound like we can afford to go to any of these restaurants. Right? Uh, he has dishes that rotate through the menu, like Creole barbecue shrimp and grits, um, a soothing bowl. Uh, he also has brown sugar... Brown. Sh- oh, never mind. Sorry. That's what's a mess up. Sorry. But he's doing barbecue shrimp and grits and, you know, a couple other things. Um, it doesn't say much. He's doesn't touching say any it. price points on no any price of points, but he's touching a little bit in Spain. He's touching a little bit in Italy. Those sorts that's of a things. hard market to get some shine in San Francisco. Right. I feel. But the thing is, is with the um, as we were talking about a few episodes ago, the wage increase 
a lot of restaurants are closing down. Yeah. So it's kind of, it might make it easier for newer restaurants to open up because they might be starting with a higher price point and a higher wage at the gate. And they got the staff. And they got the staff. Everybody already. wants to go work for these places. Exactly. So, you know, puts the word out on the street. The cream rises to the top. You know what I'm saying? It does. That foam. <laughs> um, so next up is Knoxville, Tennessee's JC. Shout Holdway. out, go Vols, go Volunteers, or JC Holdway. Um, the picture that they have here looks bomb. It's just grits and sausage with hollandaise. I've never fucked mm, with that, I, but dude, that sounds good. I, we need more, dude. I'm telling you, more restaurant needs more hollandaise in their life, man. <laughs> I've been reading a lot of recipes lately that call for hollandaise, homemade hollandaise. You yeah, know, which good. a lot of people are scared to make. Um, it's it's not that hard to make hollandaise sauce. Uh, it takes a lot of practice, but if you utilize it correctly, you can put it on all sorts of stuff. So um, shout out to the hollandaise. Um, they are doing sick stuff over there. They have uh, their Appalachian favorites like greasy beans and dried apple stack cakes. Um, they're also doing, uh, as I said before, the grits and sausage with hollandaise, which is dope. They're located close to the Blackberry Farms, which I guess is a pretty legitimate farm in Tennessee. Um, I know that my chef went down there and he met up with some sick chefs and they like had a dinner down Tennessee's there. Tennessee's bumping. Yeah, I guess. It comes it, to food. It, it, it's happening. You ever had there. Rocky Mountain oysters before? Uh, you're talking about buffalo balls? <laughs> yeah. I've never had them, but I've heard that they're actually delicious. I have. Um, they're, they're something they're th One of the things that actually popped out to me is they're doing a brittle parfait with peaches and caramel corn, um, and okra. Sounds legit. Right. I was like, Oh, fresh. okra on a dessert. Yeah. Right. Fresh. Oh, man, so um, I don't know where these motherfuckers be coming up with this. Don't even at. know, but you can find them at uh, 501 union Avenue, Knoxville. And then next up is one of my personal favorites. All right. Um, it's a place that I adorn. I think the yes, I think the chef there is, um, you know, making waves. <laughs> Suck his dick. <laughs> it is Seattle's very own June Baby. Woo -woo. Um, if any of you guys don't know, June Baby is actually named after my chef's father. That was his nickname growing up. Hey, yo, June Baby. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know we. I've been doing some crazy stuff. Uh, sh my chef has landed in Seattle in 2016, best new restaurants um, with Solari. Yeah, last year, right? Last year, yeah. Um, he's from Florida. Uh, he has Georgia roots, but you know, as I say before, we're doing sick stuff over there. We're doing a smoked turkey or uh, confit turkey leg that we drop in the fryer and we do seasonal sides with that. Um, That's bomb stuff. Mac and cheese is on the menu one day a week. Right now we're featuring a mixed berry pie. That's a special... Um, we're doing chitlins. We're doing catfish and grits with shrimp sauce. We're doing braised oxtail. Right, right, you're making me hungry. It's it's the works. Um, we're doing. We actually have started to elevate the menu, which is kind of cool. We went from doing the classic. I mean, once you get your once you get your feet dug in, you get everything sorted out. Get your staff sorted out. Get your base customers in there, um, and you know what people like. Then you can start keeping some of those signature dishes on there, mm -hmm. and then start veering off the beaten path and doing some more creative stuff. Exactly. So he's already doing mad creative stuff. Oh yeah, and. Two of my favorite things that we're doing right now is our fried green tomato dish with um, um, basically it's with boudin sausage, but we turned it into a riette. What? Nice. What? 
Yeah, so we we take, is is the fried green tomato underneath the riet? No, it's on the side. So with, the riet, uh, so it's the riet is put on top of it. Yeah, so so we do like the tomatoes on the side with Armenian pickles and nasturtium leaves, and then on the other side, you have this riet that's made with sausage. With yes, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's made with chicken chicken scrap that we have or trim, as I like to say. Sorry, not scrap trim. Um, pork trim. It has a little bit of chitlin juice in there, and it's lit. It's lit. It has you know rice, all this other stuff. All right, now that we've informed you about the new restaurants, uh, Johnny wanted to inform you about some that really pisses off the, the staff at restaurants. Um, this is just a heads up for you guys that are going out there, and um, we will call you on your shit. We really w- will, though. But uh, fine dining lovers, Tom Jenkins came out with an article a couple days ago talking about um, the increase in dietary restrictions and how they don't really exist unless you actually have a doctor's note yeah patrick friesen um he's the he's a restaurateur um he owns queen chow in sydney australia and uh, he put up a post um on their instagram page uh with this quote can people with dietary requirements start knowing what you can and can't eat shellfish allergies but love oyster sauce Gluten-free but loves gluten as long as it's not, it's not a piece of bread. Vegetarians that love a chicken wing. Pescatarians who eat chicken. Sort your shit out and let your waiter know. You make it really damn hard for people with actual allergies and dietary dietary restrictions to go out and eat. Yeah. Um, basically, what he's trying to say is, you know, if you have a faux allergy and you go in there, um, he... he People in the industry are having an issue with um, just go ahead and calling people's bluffs yeah, and not taking it really seriously. Uh, if you come in and say you're allergic to onions, well, you're if you're at an Asian restaurant, you know, there is onion everywhere. and everything, shallot and everything, onion powder. Um, it's going to be everywhere. And people with gluten allergies, if you come in and say that you have a gluten allergy. Better have that celiac. Yeah, well, a lot of people come in. When I worked at Honey Hole, you know, people come in and say that they had a celiac disease, and it's like you probably shouldn't even be in this restaurant. <laughs> There's gluten everywhere in the air. Yeah. So this is just kind of a heads up to let people know that if you if you really do have a uh, a dietary restriction, you need to go ahead and uh, be honest about it. Um, and, and if you don't. It's okay to let your server or your chef or whoever let them know that you don't like a certain thing or don't yeah. want to eat. It's certain actually thing. better to say that you don't like something like like onions, as we were talking about earlier. You can be like, I don't like onions. Is there any way for me to have that without onions? The server will be more responsive to that than you saying, I have an allergy to onions. And then they're like, oh, well, there's onion powder or onion this. And then you say, oh, well, that's okay. They're going to blow you they're off. They're going to blow you off because they're going to be like, this is just some head. jerk. Yeah. So most definitely. And if you do have a dietary restriction, my recommendation for everybody out there is call ahead. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and if you, that's it, what open tables for. Yeah. Uh, call ahead, let the restaurant know that you have somebody coming in with a dietary restriction. The kitchen staff, we've talked about this on the show before the kitchen staff will definitely make sure that nothing, no part of any nuts, dairy, gluten will get in your meal and they'll go out of your way to make you something special if the menu does not suit your dietary or not your dietary restrictions but your allergy yeah um that's just something that we take pride in and we want everybody to come and enjoy their meal and have a good time uh but we will go out of our way to fuck your shit up no i've been having vegans come into the restaurant 
Well, that's fine if you're vegan too, but I know, but you're gonna call ahead. To, you're gonna come into a southern restaurant and <laughs> call call ahead. I understand if you're with a group of ten, you're celebrating your birthday, and one or two people in your party are vegans. We understand that, but don't come in on a date, just the two of you, and say that you're a vegan and come into a southern restaurant. You know, it's just not gonna happen, right, Johnny? Right. Anything else you want to add to that? No. Um. I I was just going to move into our next topic where. Uh, the umami burger. We were talking about the bleeding uh, vegetarian burger. Update. Update. This is just a quick update. Um, impossible burger. The places to eat the impossible burger. Um, you would have to find the six new locations of umami burger, four of which are in San Francisco and all across the city. Um, so if you're looking to eat that burger, I think Robbie and I might take a trip down to San Fran soon. Yeah, and we should. Just, you know, just to go try the burger. But uh, it's the meatless, the meatless bleeding burger, bleeding burger. Tastes like meat, looks like meat, bleeds like meat. Yeah, it was engineered in a laboratory. It was created to, um, yeah, to look and taste exactly like meat. Um, I recently watched a video from, I believe it was BuzzFeed. Uh, they actually, no, Complex. Uh, oh, okay. which is the hip hop magazine Yeah, did a taste test in their office and I think it was, uh, it was something real or hype wasn't able to think to believe the hype or it's real, whatever. I don't know, but they did a taste test and I think they tested about 12 people and asked 12 people if they could tell the difference. And I believe 10 out of the 12, maybe could choose which one they just Americans just know what's real meat and what's not. Oh yeah, meat. totally. They're tricked. I mean, they said that they would buy it. They wouldn't complain about if they got it knowing that it was yeah. a plant-based burger. But if you're going to charge them, I think, you know, the price it's of it was 15 like, bucks, well, or something 25 like was what the, this one that they paid for in this oh, office. Wow. But if you were to charge them that much and lie to them about it being a, meat. Yeah. You know, so uh, so where's the, where's the closest place we can get it out, Johnny? Uh, it just says that you have to find the six locations in uh, San Francisco. It's weird, but you can find them. So I guess you have to just look up Umami Burger. What I said that it said all the locations you can find them in throughout the United States. You want to read them off real quick? Yeah, I'll try and figure them out. That was a pretty good episode we had about <laughs> the, the bleeding burger. It was okay. So you can. Uh, Find them in Anaheim, California, on Anaheim Boulevard. They have one, two, three, four locations in Austin, Texas. Um, one location in Cosa Mesa, California. They have three locations in Dallas. Um, you can also find them at different locations. Uh, Hudapi Burger Bar, um, The Hay Merchant in Houston, Texas. Uh, Andrea's at Winds in Las Vegas, North Carolina. The the Winds in Vegas, and the Winds in North Carolina. Yeah. Wow. Uh, when I think me and you might have a better chance of eating it down in Las Vegas than San Francisco. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, they have multiple locations in Los Angeles, California. They Momofuku Nishi is serving it in New York. Bear Burger in New York is serving it at all their locations. Saxon and Parole also in New York. Um, you can find a couple locations in Oakland, California, Kruner Burger, um, as well as in Umami. Palo Alto, California has Vina Ento Enoteca and uh, another Umami Burger there. Pasadena, California has their own Umami. Um, Round Rock, Texas has a... So Umami, so umami is... 
it makes the burgers and serves the burgers. And serves the burgers. They have locations. So they're a distributor too. So they yeah. sell them to other people. Yeah, exactly. Wow, this shit's blowing up. It's going crazy. Um, most of them are in California. You check out for Hobdoppy Burgers. They're selling a lot of them all over um, California and Texas. Um, Coxcomb in San Francisco, Public House and Jardinari. Um, on 300 Grove Street, they're all <laughs> they're all serving it. It's crazy. That's amazing how many places are actually. Girl, how long take, Mister? Um, pulling out to rest. Six pulling minutes. Out. Girl, how long umami burger? Uh, I don't know how to tempt these things. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, they'd only have to be tempted what 135. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. so it'd be a pretty quick fire time. Veggie burgers. Veggie burgers. Um. Yeah, so check them out. See if you can find one. Get back to us please. if you eat one because yeah. we really want to know. Please, if anybody eats this and listens to our show, please email us or connect with us on social media. The email is uh, Mister at gmail.com. Please, please email us. Uh, there's been a couple email responses and private messages on Facebook that we need to get back to people. At. Sorry if we haven't responded to you, but. I've been kind of busy. Johnny's been kind of busy. Um, so real quick, I wanted to go over uh, inform some of our guests. If you are not in the industry, uh, nine types of cooks who work in the fine dining restaurants that we talk about here. Buzzfeed did an article. Um, and I just wanted to inform you guys about the kinds of people that we work with. I've worked uh, with every single one of these. Yeah. And they are, and this is so funny. I, I don't know. I find myself all over this list, but by the end of this list, Johnny, we'll try to, Pick out which one suits us best. Okay. So number one on this list of uh, nine types of cooks uh, that you'll find in fine dining restaurants. Number one, uh, I, I hang out with a bunch of these guys. They're good people. Uh, they're the fine dining bro. And the way that you'd spot one of these fine dining bros is uh, these cooks are going to be covered in tattoos. Their tattoos consist of cleavers, whisks, pork pork cuts um they're also going to be carrying a, pl a pair of plating tweezers on them at all times okay if you True. guys don't know what that is it's just like a pair of tweezers you tweeze your eyebrows with but they're uh, at different lengths and different sizes for plating microgreens pasta berries um yeah. Um, Basically, any way to not touch food and to not use gloves is what these tweezers are for. Yeah. And sometimes tongs just don't cut it. They're too big. They don't. Um, they also prefer small plates to large portions. Uh, they're most commonly found in gastro pubs, fine dining restaurants, pop-up events, and farm-to-table institutions. And they have the biggest egos in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. Some of their favorite things they like to cook are anything that's sous vide. <laughs> uh, they're also the best using cryovac machines. They like Asian fusion, molecular gastronomy, tapas, uh, anything. <laughs> this is my favorite. Anything that has a spoon drag on it or a quenelle on that plate. Exactly. I like spoon drags, man. I like both. I like quenelles. Um, yeah. I, I love their favorite sayings. Yeah, the favorite sayings is, do <laughs> you want to read them, Johnny? Yeah, make it soigné, <laughs> which means like, make it good. I get that all the time. I'm like, soigné, it right. should be that way all the time. Um, when you work with the best ingredients, everything you add to them is just taking away from their natural beauty. <laughs> this is a good one that I've heard plenty of times too. Blank, spl blank space on a plate gives the food room to breathe. Uh, that's almost true. Yeah. I mean, less is more, you know what I'm saying? All right, number two, we got the drill sergeant. All right, how are you going to spot a drill drill sergeant? Uh, is they're always yelling. Uh, these individuals uh, are your classic. They manage by fear. 
Okay, they continue the outdated practices of running a hostile kitchen and believe the best way to improve their team is to break them down and build them back up. This personal type, this personally personality type remains popular due to the portrayal of chefs on reality TV shows and movies. They also love to throw shit and make their point heard. <laughs> their favorite thing to cook is vegetable stock made from the onion scraps you got caught trying to throw away <laughs> to teach you a lesson on food waste. Exactly. Johnny, what are their favorite sayings? If you have time to lean, you have time to clean. Truth. Uh, this is the way I was trained and this is the way you will be trained. Fuck you. Uh, culinary students have no work ethic these days. Also true. Oh, the next one is so great. And then the next one, which me and Johnny bitch about all the time, the recent culinary school graduate. Okay. How are you going to spot one of these guys is these cooks. They always arrive to work about 20 minutes early wearing their checkered pants, which I fucking hate. Chef's wear. Yeah. Chef's wear. Uh, give me a nice pair of Dickies. <laughs> um, they have an ironed coat. And a what's the other what and a and a what and a toque gets a hat. Oh, the chef's hat, a toque. Uh, they suggest alternative methods to already established procedures based on their schooling and expect to become head chef within a year. Their most recent Google searches include pate crow ratou, patty shoe ratio, pate shoe ratio. I don't know what the fuck that is. Pastry um, and student load forgiveness. Uh, favorite things they like to cook is chicken with fiend herbs, which herbs are great consomme and taurine potatoes that's it you know what that sounds like though i hate to give him a shout out on this ken combs i almost was gonna say that <laughs> i was gonna say tuna too yeah this is like fucking uh he loves tuna love all over dude. Again. yeah yeah well but he but see he fits under the bros thing too yo to <laughs> we'll see you might remember Kent from our Amazon episode. He's a chef at Amazon, which we'll be talking about here shortly, too. What's going on with them? What's their favorite sayings, Johnny? Um, in culinary school, I was taught that you should peel tomatoes before adding them to Shut a the sauce. Shut the fuck up, bitch. Um, I've been working here for three months and haven't been promoted to sous chef yet. This is bullshit. Bitch, you're still on prep. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think this one kind of fits me a little bit. The one who's always in between jobs. Oh yeah, for sure. So how to spot these guys year after year, these cooks tell their coworkers that working in the kitchen is a temporary gig for them. Something they're just doing to hold them over until they get a real job. Fast forward 10 years later and they're still working that grill station and telling others that this job is a joke. Their favorite thing to cook is the same dish that they've cooked over and over again for the past 10 years. Johnny, what do they love to say? This is just a temporary job to hold me over till I get a real one. I'm not really a cook. <laughs> no, you are not, sir. And you'll never be a real one either. All right. Next one is the preacher. So how you spot one of these guys is similar to a kitchen, bro. These individuals can be found lecturing other employees on best practices. Making a hollandaise, they have a better way of doing it. Washing that dirty pan, they have a better way of doing it. Also, taking out the garbage, they also have a better way for doing that. Yeah, <laughs> most likely. Favorite thing to cook? Whatever you're cooking, because lucky for you, they're an expert at it. <laughs> what do they like to say, Johnny? I have a trick for that, and let me show you the proper way to peel a potato. I have a lot of chefs that are like that. Uh, that fall under this category. I don't have too many of the yelling chefs, but I have the preacher chefs who, you know, they've got a trick from old chef they told. And it's, I like if they approach you in a different way, they're not so much a preacher as they are a mentor. Well, I, I've had a chef that was almost all 
four of these so far. That was like the tweezer bro chef. He was like, you got to tweeze microgreens. He is the yelling chef. He was also the like, oh, you should do it this way because this is how I was taught. Well, an all-encompassing chef, you know, I, I, I can fuck with that, but definitely some of these are super fucking annoying. Oh, and, yeah. And you've seen it all before. So it's not like, you know, the yelling chef, it's like, because you were taught that way, how did it make you feel? And they just keep passing that down the line and it creates another yelling chef so all right number six on this list is the corporate chef this is a funny one how to spot this guy <laughs> this worker clocks in at nine o'clock and he leaves at five right on the dot <laughs> they have multiple colors of cutting boards for no for different applications the meat goes on the red the fish is on the blue no exceptions uh, white is always vegetables, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, stupid shit. Uh, and most of their most used piece of equipment in that kitchen is going to be the microwave. Fine dining bros are going to call them sellouts. Although most of them are actually just fine dining bros who settled down. You can find them at airports, hotels, and 25 year reunions of culinary school programs. Oh, the good old days. Uh, their favorite things are cooked Dutch's potatoes using instant mashed potatoes and their signature chocolate lava cake made with a Cisco chocolate cake mix. It's going to be topped with a whipped uh, whipped cream and a raspberry with a mint leaf as garnish. Mm -hmm. Favorite about, things right? to say, Johnny? When I was a chef in New York City, I would work eight days a week. <laughs> Just pop it in the microwave. I have 10 days of paid vacation. I have to take it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think this is so true. Most of them are fine dining bros who have settled down. They have kids. I and mean, they probably did work in kitchens eight days a week. And, and they did, and they're happier. Yeah. Um, you are a sellout <laughs> to most of us in our eyes, but you got to do what's best for you. And sometimes going to work at a corporate restaurant, I, I, I'll i admit it. Uh, I've worked for a corporation before. I did not like it, but they're much more organized. They have, they're organized. They have benefits. They have vacation time. You know, it's... It's if you're actually trying to settle down, start a family, do all those sorts of things. And you want to be in the industry and you still want to be in the industry. It's one of the best routes to go because you're not going to be taken away from your family. You can still live your life. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's structured. And it's harder to fire you, too. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, they have to they have you, rules. You have to really, really do something. Once you're in, you're in and they can usually move you within the company to some other you know, restaurant or somewhere else. It's really hard to get fired. So I'm not going to shit on corporate jobs too much, but you just kind of lose your soul, lose a little bit of your soul when it comes to the kitchen. Um, the next one is going to be the alchemist. Uh, these are one of my, some of my favorite guys in the kitchen. So how you spot one of these guys is uh, these individuals are obsessed with the not so new trend of molecular gastronomy and force it upon every restaurant that they've worked at. They carry around a mini scale. Usually it's used to measure other expensive substances and they have other odd tools. So they're always talking about cocaine. Well, some of the stuff's more expensive than cocaine. You know what I'm saying? That so, Percocet. Molly Percocet. <laughs> represent. <laughs> Fucking represent. I'm on that new uh, Cardi, uh, Playboy Cardi. Yeah, me too. In New York, I'm Millie Rock. I did it in my sock. <laughs> All right. Their favorite things to cook are deconstructed s'mores, which I've had this dish before. Yes. So a, dish, a deconstructed s'more is going to be uh, made with marshmallow fluid gel. I don't even know how to read that word. Certificated. Johnny, I have trying? no idea. Uh, Spherificated chocolate sauce, graham cracker foam, and a campfire essence. What do I like to say, Johnny? <laughs> this 
It's the idea of chicken parmesan. <laughs> this tastes like this is gonna taste like the idea of a chicken parmesan. Right. It's not a chicken parmesan, but it tastes like it. It's the idea. Um, what if we turned it into a foam? I don't know. What if we turned this into a foam? <laughs> I've been asked that numerous. I don't try it out. Sure, it's gonna take me forever, but it at this beet foam, it tastes like. Beet foam. It tastes like frothy beets. I want foam. I mean, I want beets, not foam. Does anybody have an aquarium pump I can borrow? <laughs> yeah, you'll find in, uh, with these people, they have all sorts of nifty things uh, in their uh, knife bags that are definitely were not made for the kitchen, but they have somehow figured out a way to use it in the kitchen. It's not NSF approved, but they still use No, it's it. not NSF approved. <laughs> nor the health department would not be happy you're using it either. Okay. Uh, in my younger days, I was this one, the chef de parte. Uh, how you're going to spot this individual is uh, they're not necessarily actual, sh- actual, actually chefs de parte's, but they're certainly known. They are certainly known how to parte. They arrive hungover from the night before, fueled with adrenaline, and survive the rush of service like a pro. Their go-to accessories are a court, uh, court container filled with water and kitchen crocs paired with jeans and a button-down. Um, their favorite things to cook, it's the last ticket of the night. That way they can quickly get their stations covered with a single layer of plastic wrap and get the fuck out of there. What would I like to say, Johnny? Anyone up for a shift drink? Of course I am. It's industry night at uh, the Borgish Pig. That's always, always, uh, always industry night somewhere. If you're in the industry, you can go somewhere. It's industry night. And who asks questions for a shift drink? Everybody gets their shift drinks. Johnny, do you get your shift drinks after work anymore? No, not currently. That's right. You got to blow. Shut up. <laughs> Everybody on the show knows about no, that, they right? don't. Oh, anyway. Uh, the Martyr. Um, I know a bunch of these people How to spot one of these guys These cooks have never taken a break They pick up all the extra shifts And they constantly complain about how hard working How hard it is working in the kitchen And to be fair They're pretty uh, damn hard workers They are resentful towards the front of the house staff For having plushy jobs But would never sell out and become a corporate chef Uh, Yeah, fuck the front of the house Pussies Uh, Favorite thing to cook Whatever you'd like them to cook And Johnny, what do they always respond with? Anything for you, chef. Yes, chef. We chef. Anything you say, chef. Um, yeah. Johnny, now out of these chefs, which one would you say you are? It's tough. I'm like a couple of these, you know. I. It depends on what sort of restaurant that you work in. What it. What you can get away what with. What you can get away with. But, you know, I've definitely been the fine dining bro. Um, for reals. You know, I've definitely have been the martyr. I feel like I'm currently the martyr. <laughs> But uh, I've been the corporate chef before. I've never been the alchemist, but I know the alchemist chef always comes with um, freshly out of culinary school students. They think that because that's what they or Europe or Europe. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we can do this and that. And you're like, shut the fuck up. Cook goddamn food. Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, exactly. Bye, Felicia. (laughs) So you're going to go with what are you going to go with right now, Johnny? You know, I'll go with the fine dining, bro. All right. So in my younger years, I was definitely chef de parte. Most definitely. Uh, I was constantly getting it in. But I busted my ass at work, you know, and I didn't have a quart container full of uh, water. What did I have a quart container of, Johnny? Alcohol. Milk. 
Oh yeah, you're disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and he would leave it in the reach-in or the walk-in all With the no time. No lid on no it. No lid on it. We'd find it the next day like fucking Robbie. Multiple restaurants I've worked at, my chef yells at me because either down below the reach-in or in the walk-in, I'd have a giant uh, quart container filled with milk. It's my shit. Uh, but definitely nowadays, I'm gonna say I'm uh, I'm I'm the chef that's always in between jobs. Uh, because I constantly in and out of the in and out of the culinary world. I always try to keep my foot in it somehow, but I'm always looking for a way out. That is going to bring us to our ingredient of the week. Jahani Tsunami, what are we working with? Hearts of Palm. Hearts of Palm. Would you like to explain to our listeners what that is, sir? It is the heart of a palm tree. <laughs> and uh, where would we, uh, where would one find one of the locates uh, Heart of Palm at? Uh, you can probably get it at an Asian Mart. Um, you can also find it canned. I think if you look hard enough, you can find it fresh. Um, canned is pretty good. Yeah, canned is fine. I they, like working with it fresh, but canned is good. I'm just, I'm basically, the recipe that I'm giving you, which isn't even really a recipe, is basically to, if you have fresh, to make it taste like it came from the can. Alright, hit them up. Uh, you're just gonna boil it in a, or braise it in a briny water solution. Are you doing it whole? Yeah, do it whole. You want it to be... At the biggest pieces that you can because then it's going to cook through and then you can make sure that it's actually done correctly. If it's too large, you can cut it down into smaller pucks, but don't cut it in half because oh, then, you're, not, you're not you're not quartering it. You're just yeah, you're going to release all the all the st the good stuff from the middle. If good you, tip if you cut it in half or anything like that. Um, but yeah, just a briny solution with jalapeno, thyme, garlic. Um, make sure that it's it's that it's nice and tender. You can poke it through with a knife or a fork or a cake tester, whatever you're doing. Um, and then it's really great on salads. You can do it uh, with a nice wedge salad and citrus vinaigrette and some nuts. You can do it as we do it at as we did it at the restaurant with um some green beans and pickled green tomatoes and fresh or pickled green strawberries and fresh strawberries and a little bit of salsa verde um you can also do it in a chopped salad it's a great addition it's basically an additive you can just add that thing into just about anything and it's tasty it's also really good in pasta it's delicious in pasta. Um, I'm gonna be making a uh, heart of palm puree. Now I've done this. Um, I've done this recipe before uh, with fish. And I've also done it with chicken. Uh, this specific uh, uh, recipe is gonna be coming from a restaurant called Seba in Washington D.C. I just looked one up. I couldn't remember exactly how I made it, but I mean this is pretty. Pretty simple. Um, so what you're going to need is you're going to need about a pound of fresh hearts of a pound of fresh heart of palm. You're going to need a cup and a half of cream, a half a pound of butter, uh, three tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil, two whole cloves of garlic. Uh, you need salt and white pepper. Uh, and you need about a teaspoon of cumin. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to cut those heart of cut the hearts of palm into about half inch sized pucks like Johnny said uh, so about a half inch thick you're going to heat your uh, saute, uh, saute pan up uh, right above medium you're going to add your butter and extra virgin olive oil when the butter, bu butter starts to bubble maybe get a little bit let's start browning just right around uh, the edges of it uh, you're going to add your heart of palm to it you're going to saute it for about two to three minutes till it gets some color on it you're going to add your garlic which is going to be minced up uh, add your cumin and your cream let that cook for about 10 to 15 minutes till it starts to reduce down uh, you're going to add your salt and pepper to it um, and then it depending on the thickness that you want of it you can add milk or water uh, to it when you 
you're blending it up in the blender um make just blend it the shit out of it until it's nice and smooth and then you can pull that out and you can either spoon that over a chicken dish or a fish dish johnny delicious yes does it sound good Sounds all right. I yeah, fucks it's, with it. it's pretty good. I fucks with it too. You what you want to do is you want to you want to get that and you want to take a spoon, you want to put it on a plate and then swipe that. Yeah, across your across your plate. Make sure that you tilt that spoon upward. Though, tilt a little that bit. spoon upward, so you or you can get nice like a push. Uh, get a uneven spatula. Uh, what do we offset call it? offset spat and offset uh, make a nice little smear. <laughs> that is going to bring us to the end of episode eighty, Johnny. We made it to eighty, dude. It's a lot of episodes. It's legit, fam. I'm with it. I hope all you guys are with it, too. Uh, you want to check us out on our social media. It's going to be... Which one? Facebook. <laughs> Grill Long Steak Mister. Johnny, what is it on Instagram? Um, at Grill Long Steak Mister. What is it on that Twitters? Uh, at How Long Steak Mister. Yeah, shout out James Yater for our Twitter account. Big Yates. Big Yater. Uh, you can find him at J Yater Photography also. Um, you want to catch me on my Instagram? It's going to be at Bobby Stills. Uh, you want to catch Johnny? It's going to be... Johnny Tsunami. Yeah, hit us up. I want to thank everybody for adding me on Facebook. On, um, Instagram too. I have been checking y'all out. I can always, you know, notice I go to their page and it's about food. And I'm like, I don't know you live in uh, Detroit, Michigan, but, but they know food there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't shit on them. Uh, I want to thank all of our fans out there for listening. Uh, continue with your emails, uh, with suggestions, comments. Uh, you want to talk shit. I'm good at talking shit on the internet too. Uh, it's going to be uh grill. How long mister at gmail.com. I would think she like to thank Stu. Studio 212 for allowing us to record there. Not today. So I'd like to thank me for opening my household up to you, Johnny. I'm always allowed in your house. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you do. Uh, I was going to, when you were going to come pick me up from the hospital, when you were going to drop me off at the orthopedist today, I was going to tell you, just go to my house and chill and I'll call you when I'm done. <laughs> but your ass would have probably just sat in the parking lot and played on your phone. Uh, I'd like to thank Keith, uh, King Risotto Balls, uh, the man with. Uh, uh, too many, uh, too many jobs. Queef too many kids. Too many jobs. Too many kids. Too, too many, many jobs. Uh, super producer. Uh, I would like to thank the Soundcasting Network for hosting our podcast, and uh, I'd like to thank Johnny. Johnny, thanks for coming in. I know you're having a kid next week, but I do appreciate it, and I miss you a lot. Oh. And uh, yeah, look forward to uh, getting to play with that little baby. We're gonna try and do a show from uh, the hospital when Sarah's having the baby. <laughs> I'll be in the room. Live from the it. birthing center at <laughs> University Medical Center. Do you want to give the name of your baby? Um, you know, maybe just the middle name. His middle name will be Makai. Makai Pfeiffer. Yes. All right. All right. And there you have it, folks. Uh, baby Makai. Grill. How long steak, Mister? Five minutes out. Eat a dick, bitch. <laughs> <laughs>